Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. So hello everyone and thank you for tuning in today. I'm Jessica Sells, the Public Engagement Officer for the CSCRM. For this podcast, I'm joined remotely by CSCRM Director and MRC Exec Chair, Professor Fiona Watt. So today we're going to be chatting with Fiona about her experience of lockdown so far. Um, As everybody listening will know, um, COVID-19 has turned the lives of everyone around upside down and researchers at the CSCRM are no exception. All our staff are experiencing lockdowns really differently. And so we've decided to do a lockdown story series to share the unique stories of everyone from across the centre. And so can we start off with a kind of initial lockdown, Fiona? Um, Work obviously as executive chair of the MRC, it must have been quite intense, um, the lead up, um, finding out all this information about the virus, um, it constantly changing and knowing how to kind of disseminate that to the public. Um, how, how was that? Yes, for me, it was, um, I think it really began at the end of January when I was approached by a scientist in Britain who was frustrated that he hadn't got uh, money uh, to, to develop uh, a vaccine. Um, and because uh, it's not my particular area of expertise, I, I forwarded his email to Jeremy Farrow at the Wellcome Trust and uh, Chris Whitty, who uh, runs NIHR and is the chief medical officer. And I really just asked them for advice. I said, you know, what, what should we be doing? And um, this led to the decision that we should um, uh, run a couple of calls for funding um, one on vaccines and therapeutics and one on the sort of broader impacts. Um, and we moved uh, quickly on that um, and we um, managed to do a one panel meeting for the first call uh, beginning of March and the second meeting was on the 17th of March. And I remember that second one vividly because um there were so many applications that there were three groups of experts meeting, three panels, and we waited for Jonathan Van Tam, who's the deputy CMO, to come in and give us the latest because it was very important that we were funding work that had a potential to be beneficial within 18 months. And I remember that day we were in a, a hotel somewhere in central London, but already a third of the panellists were had decided not to travel so the two thirds in the room, um, a third online, and um, you know that sense. Everybody wanted to know just how bad is this going to get. There were lots of questions, and once the, the, the panel started and I left, I got a taxi, and it was awful. You could see already the streets were. This was, I think, on um, yeah, the streets were emptying out. There were handwritten signs on. Um, the the doors of shops and bars and it just felt really that really it really came home to me that what what was going on Um, yeah I think it's a it's been a really surreal experience in terms of like you say coming back and noticing all of the the quiet streets and like handwritten signs and shops closing it is it's very strange and really sad and so we we carried on um for a bit going into work and I, I my last day at the MRC was on 
uh, March the 23rd. That was a Monday. And at the time, we thought the building would be open at least till midweek. But um, I, as a precaution, I took home the plants in the office <laughs> because I didn't want them to, to, to come to harm. Uh, and then the next day, the Tuesday, I went into the lab and already, you know, we were really thinking seriously about how um, we're going to lock this down. Um, and again, I took the, the plants home. So this meant that my start of my lockdown um, involved um, a lot of plant care and getting everything into the greenhouse to, uh, to keep it keep it going. <laughs> so how have you found it during lockdown? Um has it been difficult to kind of follow the social distancing rules that have been implemented? Well, it was strange in a way because um, my husband, uh, before uh, before I stopped, before I went into lockdown, he had been warned that one of his colleagues at work um, might be tested, might be positive. And so we thought, well, how, but he wouldn't know for two or three days. So it was how, how can we do this? And that was strange. It was a bit like, a divorce because we said, well, you can, <laughs> you can have, you know, this bathroom, this bedroom, this study. I mean, we're really lucky that we have a big house. And we said with the kids, well, and you know, we'll we'll provide meals for you. It was just awful. Um, and then, um, so that was the sort of taste of what was going to come. Um, but fortunately, although his colleague tested positive, he's been fine. And so we've sort of adjusted to proper life in lockdown which is uh Jim and me and our uh two younger kids uh with our eldest uh holed up in Brixton. Do you think you've managed to kind of maintain a work-life balance uh being at home? There have been positives and, and negatives so I think that our lab and the whole centre has coped really well with that and um, it's actually very efficient doing just short one-to-one meetings with scientists, you know, as uh, as as they need it. And you, you know, we've run virtual group meetings, journal clubs, uh, international seminars, etc. But I think the workload at the MRC has been different because we've been, as funders, responding all the time to uh, the the disease uh, as it moves and from the experience of running those first two panels we moved into rolling calls uh, and then other things have been layered onto that so um the workload there has been it's been quite it, it's it has been quite intense um uh, but it, it it sort of i suppose in a way also goes in in waves um so it's I, I've never had trouble with the work-life balance. Um, although for me, part of going between work and life is that precious time on public transport where your brain can sort of re-lock <laughs> focus. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't found it that difficult. It would be much harder if our kids were little or um, if we were trying to work together in a small space so I feel really lucky in that way. Do you think it's affected your personal relationships because I know that speaking to a lot of people because they have to talk to people remotely um, they're actually in touch with people quite a lot more Um, like for example international families um, I know that a couple of the staff at the CSCRM 
they have been doing a lot more calls back home than they would have before so yeah relationships with people have changed even though we can't physically be with people yeah i i would say um you know on the personal front um you're completely right that it's it's made you know it's made me check in with uh relatives um and friends who who are who are with um, older family members, and and really just sort of reach out and wanting to make sure that everybody is all right. Um, for my kids, the the shock of suddenly discovering that they weren't going to be doing their A levels are really um, that that was quite traumatic for them. Um, but for me, the positive has been that I've got to spend much more time with them than normally I would. And it was their, their twins, their 18th birthday was on Sunday. And um, so they weren't obviously out in the pub doing all those kinds of things. But it was just a succession of people ringing the doorbell and uh, the door would open and there would be a gift on the doorstep. So and, and because also, you know, we can't go out and spend spend a lot of money on presents. The, the gifts uh, have been much more, um, uh, they've been kind of uh, not expensive, but they've been really personal and that, that's been positive. Yeah, I, I find that everybody's being really creative um, and just, you know, making things, even on kind of virtual chats, having different backgrounds. Um, yes, it's been a really creative time. <laughs> And then in terms of my, like, science relationships, um, I was supposed to be in Washington, D.C., uh, I can't remember, a weekend or two ago, um, to be inducted into the National Academy of Sciences. So this is a big deal. Normally, large audience, you go up on the stage, blah, blah, blah. So obviously we couldn't do that. But what happened was that we had the the meetings, and whereas for you know part of the meeting, if it was face to face, there might be twenty people. Um, this time uh, there were sixty or seventy, and that was lovely because it meant people who normally wouldn't have travelled to the meeting uh, logged on. And for me, seeing loads and loads of old friends was just that was really special. Um, where I think it's difficult is if you don't have. So, so thinking about science in the future, you know, I can have very good interactions, virtual gin and tonics, et cetera, with my colleagues. But yeah. I, I'm concerned for young scientists who may just be starting out because normally when we would gather at a conference, um, there's a sort of process of, you know, if I have a, a postdoc with me, um, I want to make sure that I introduce them to everybody. And it's the kind of stories you know who are you where are you from what do you like to do um you know where are you where are you working now that relationship is built up kind of offline i I think that scientists will travel less after this um and i think that's a good thing but it's making sure that we somehow have a means of bringing on new generations and and making those contacts i mean maybe you can do it absolutely fine uh, remotely but I think it's going to take a bit of work yeah a bit of getting used to yeah yeah and so what do you think your um has made your lockdown experience unique um like specific challenges to you as Fiona Watt 
<laughs> so one, one specific challenge is um, is our dog. So this dog <laughs> loves me. Anyone who's ever been to our house, as you have, knows that uh, he he really really loves me, and it means that all day I am in the room with him, and he's in my bedroom at night, and um, it, at some point I, I'm just. I sometimes would just like <laughs> to be alone. <laughs> I uh, obviously take him when I, uh, my exercise is walking him, but he's a lap dog. And I found at particular times, I really wanted to walk and walk and walk. I've, I've been exploring South London architecture quite intensively. And that kind of thing is not really suitable for a dog. So, so, so I take him out one day and then I leave him behind the other day and get the kids to take him out. But it's been, um, it's been funny. And I'm, I'm concerned for him actually when I go back to work because um, I think he's, he's going to find the separation quite tough. Um, I know that we touched on thoughts for the future in terms of science, but um, what do you think might be taken on or taken forward in society? I mean, there's there's so many things. I mean, it, it, w- one specific example is um, the airports. So, um, you know, there's, for many, many years, there's been a big debate about a third runway for Heathrow. And I've always been in favour of that because I travel a lot. And um, it, especially post-Brexit, if Britain is going to have a competitive advantage, having a good airport is really important but now of course um, you can see how when you stop travel air quality um, pollution just plummets and so yeah I think that if we could rebalance our attitude to the environment because now we know what what needs to be done um, to reduce pollution I think for me that would be that would be one thing Um, our neighborhood is very um is a very strong community, but I think that has um, become even more important. Bizarrely, we have a couple of young opera singers living across the street from us, and they've done <gasps> impromptu opera highlights. And on that some, sounds incredible. It is incredible because um, the street is on a slope, so you can imagine, you know, when people are the uh, it, it, you know, you can be in the gods or you can be in the stalls. And and seeing kids, you know, with skateboards and footballs listening to this, uh, and it, it, they would never normally be exposed to live opera. So I don't think that that's going to be a regular thing in our street, but that's a <laughs> example of how a particular cultural genre has got a, a lot of widespread exposure. <laughs> Oh, that's really that's really nice. I like that story. Positive. <laughs> so, um, to sum this up, could you rate your lockdown um, from one to ten, and why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say it was, it's been a nine out of ten lockdown. Oh, that's brilliant! <laughs> Excellent. Um, are there any messages that you would like to share with people that are on lockdown at home and listening to this? Well, um, I would say deepest sympathies and respect to people who are trying to work in very cramped conditions, people who might be trying to work when they've got little kids running around, 
people who don't have access to uh, a garden. And of course, for a very, very large number of people, there's a huge anxiety about um, their jobs. So, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about it as that it's sort of exciting and we've got through it. But um, I, I'm under no illusions about just how tough it has been for so many people. Yeah, absolutely. And just everybody's experience is just so completely different. Yeah, exactly. You couldn't really even predict. Well, I think for some people you could predict, but I've a a colleague who just happened to be having a, a work done on her bathroom. <laughs> this means, well, actually, I can't live in this flat if it hasn't got a bathroom. Uh, so I'm yeah. going to go and stay with relatives. Um, uh, and yeah, and you know, we our, our colleague who's just had a baby during lockdown that was pretty yeah. expected. It's like um, it's like a sort of snapshot of your life. Uh, it's like. Yeah, what 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 was I doing at this time in my life? And then that really determines yeah. uh, the whole experience. Absolutely, it's been really interesting to hear about your experience so far. And hopefully, it won't be going on too long, and there'll be a safe rephasing back into some form of normality. Thank you, Jess. Take care. Thanks, Fiona, and thank you all for listening. All right, bye then. Bye.